Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. Hello, welcome to the Faith in Parents podcast. I'm Ed, the director of Faith in Kids, which supports families and churches in raising children to know Christ eternally. I'm privileged to have with me on the podcast today, Andy and Joe Frost. Andy is the author of Raising Faith, a book that is helping our children find a faith that lasts. It is great to have you both with me. Joe. could I start off with you? Could you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so I am a mum of two, um, Eloise and Tilly, eight and six, wife to one, Andy Frost. Um, and I spend my working world working for the Evangelical Alliance um, on the leadership team there. Thank you very much. And just tell us... Um, I guess as a, as a mum of two, eight and six, just uh, at the moment, this sort of season of life, what, what do you think you'll, re- uh, we're in lockdown, so, but what do you think you'll remember from this sort of six months or this week or? I think the biggest thing I've noticed is that we often say it takes a village to raise a kid and we've lost our village. Everything is now just on the parent. The parent has to be the parent. The parent has to be the community. The parent has to be the teacher, um, the politician, the medical advisor. We are everything. And um, I really miss the village. I think the village is really important. Yeah. Thank you. Andy, tell us what, what is left for you to say about you and your family. Uh, I run a charity called Share Jesus. And um, yeah, I did well. got a good wife. So um <laughs> And two great kids. So there you go. Happy days. And uh, you can be as honest as you like, but how has the last six months been for your family? It's tough, actually. I think um, the whole homeschooling thing was horrendous. Uh, I mean, horrendous. Uh, both I was working full-time, Joe was working full-time, both uh, kind of nine till five on Zoom calls. And you've got two kids who want your attention and you're meant to be their teacher. It was a very challenging uh, <laughs> challenging time. Uh, but overall, we've, had, we've survived it. And I think... Um, yeah, looking back now as, as lockdown begins to ease again now and this new rhythm begins to appear, I think we've just seen how God's been faithful even through those difficult times. I had to follow myself a bunch of times to make that happen, but it's been good seeing how God's been um, yeah, all over it, really. Thank you. Uh, Andy, you you have written a book. Uh, it's, it's now been three years. Uh, it's called Raising Faith. 
Could you just tell us um, a bit about that book and how it came to be written? Yeah, so I got involved with Kef, the family, uh, writing this book. The idea is that many um, children who grew up in Christian homes uh, go to church each week, but the odds are that by the age of 18, is half of them will no longer be Christians. And I think what we've done over the years, we've, we've done a great job in developing our, our church youth work, our church children's work. We've missed something of the role that parents have to play in passing on the baton of faith to the next generation. And this book really is a really practical guide to how parents can be more intentional in the home in inspiring faith in their kids. The headline statistic is clearly a frightening one. 50% of kids growing up in Christian homes won't be in church professing faith at the age of 18. Uh, as you've looked into that figure, have you... What have you understood? What what have you understood are the causes of that? I think first and foremost, there are no guarantees that you meet some parents who do everything wrong and yet somehow their kids turn out fine. Other parents do everything right and somehow, you know, it doesn't quite go to plan. So there are no guarantees with this stuff. But I think as parents, we are the most influential people on our kids, particularly in the early years, right up to the teens as well, I think, for search shows. And so for me, the challenge is how can we as parents become more intentional in looking at how we can chat with our kids more about God in the everyday of life? And the danger is it becomes the church's role rather than a shared role, which we share with the local church. And so for me, it's been um, it's been a book exploring some of these themes and some really practical things that we can do yeah. as parents. Okay. Joe, it's, it's always um, dangerous to make generalizations, but... Would you would you be willing to make a generalization or at least some observations that when you look at the Christian parents you've known in the churches you've been part of, what what marks out being a Christian parent? You know, what, how do they feel? What are the concerns? Oh, gosh, that's a, it is a hard question. It's a big question. We all as parents want to do our best for our children. And I think the responsibility that we carry um, to raise our kids well um, is is a big one. And, and then there's all these voices saying you've got to make sure that your kid is healthy eating as um, a sport that they are on track to join the Olympics for. They've got to be musically talented. They've got to be an, um, a genius in a STEM subject. Um, if they don't go to Oxford or Cambridge, they're ruined for life. And then and then we turn up as well and say, oh, yes, but and don't forget the discipleship. You are now church pastor, worship leader, a biblical scholar for your kids as well. And it's just... It just feels like yet another overwhelming responsibility. Um, and yet we love our kids and we want to, to see them thrive. And we love Jesus and we think that Jesus is the best thing, um, the best person for our children to, to know and build a relationship with. So we want it, but we don't necessarily know how to squeeze it in. And it, squeezing it in isn't even the point yeah. of itself anyway. Yeah. So... Um... If a parent was to come to you, Joe, with with that bundle, which you've expressed very well, um, where where let's imagine maybe a new Christian who who exactly as you say they already come to the conversation. They are not short of desires, wishes, hopes for their children, and probably they're not short of busyness with their children. And they say, "Where do I start as a Christian parent? How, how would you begin that answer?" I think 
I think my biggest journey in all of this has been to make public what is personal. So my relationship with Jesus, whilst operating in community, especially in the community of the church, is actually a very personal one. I pray with God in in, in my quiet time. I read the Bible on my own. I, I worship. Uh, we talk together. How do I invite my children to see and participate in what is otherwise quite private? Mm. So I pray out loud. I read my Bible in the public, in the family space. I'll worship God while they're around. I'll tell them what God is talking to me about. We'll open up a doorway into my relationship with God because it's already happening, but I can demonstrate and make it accessible to my kids. And that for me was a really helpful starting point in showing what it means to be a disciple. And uh, have your children noticed? Yeah, I think so. We... It's normal for us to say, what's God saying? Shall we pray about it? What does the Bible say? Or I was reading this in the Bible this morning, and how does that apply here? And they're, they're even starting to talk about the difference of, of their relationship with God between each other. So God and Tilly have one type of relationship. Eloise engages with God in a very different way. Um, and they're very accepting of that because they've seen how personal God can be. Um, and that's been really exciting. And I think how we're different and how we yeah. engage with God ourselves as well. Yeah, very honest about, well, actually, this is how Daddy does it. This is how God speaks to me. And it's uh, it's been really encouraging, actually, just to hear them reflect it back on us. And you go, oh, I didn't know you knew that. and um, Or I didn't know that that was a, a reality for you. And then you hear it and you're like, oh. Um, it's really exciting. Yeah. Could you give me an example, Andy, of, I don't know, what they do notice about the differences between you or the differences between them? Or Yeah, I think um, I often go out for a run and I, that's how I exercise, but also how I have my time with God, I go for a run. And it's about kind of explaining how I engage with God by being actually quite active and doing something I find praying quietly in the corner very difficult. But actually when I'm out and about, I feel like I can really engage with God and... Um, so when we go out for walks with the kids, I'll often kind of, you know, just stop and gaze at the amazing sunset or the trees or the grass and just say, isn't this, isn't this amazing? And I, I use nature as a way to really kind of thank God for who he is and something of his creativity. That's how I really engage with God in a very kind of, um, I guess, touchy-feely kind of outdoorsy kind of way. Yeah. Whereas Joe perhaps is a bit more contemplative, would you say? Or? Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, I still remember the first time we did a, a sort of, should we see if God has anything to say to our family? And Tilly was three mm. at the time. Um, it was actually a, a kitchen table project um, event, um, which is the Care for the Family uh, project. And uh, and we were like, okay, let's just be quiet and see what God speaks. So let's see what he says. And then t- Tilly turned around and said, I didn't hear him. And she pointed to her, her ears, but I heard him in here. And she pointed to her head And he just said that he really loves us as a family. Um, And I was like, brilliant. And it was the first time there was a particular, a special, a dedicated experience for them of what it means to encounter God. And, um, and now they'll talk. Tilly will say that she, she talks to God a lot. Eloise says, I don't experience that in the same way. She's much more logical. She goes to the Bible. She wants to read and study. Whereas Tilly is much more 
emotionally and relationally god's really silly with her they have a real giggle it's really beautiful to watch um and and yet they're both very accepting of the differences yeah. in that relationship and that's beautiful and uh your children you said were eight and six so presumably what what that means i mean what i think a great relief of being a parent is you only have to work it out one day at a time you don't have you, you at the moment don't have to wonder i wonder when dad stops on Wimbledon Common and says we're going to pray here when they're age 13. You don't have to wonder what how that's going to work. But at the moment, they're along for the ride. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of it's about taking the prompts that they have as well. They give me prompts the whole time. So when Eloise comes home from school and talks about learning about the Romans, I try and relate that. Well, you know what? The Romans were at the same time as Jesus and, and begin to kind of fit those things together. Or we were going to the local park and for a while my kids kept stopping at gravestones, which was a bit weird, and reading the gravestones like, kids, what are you doing? Oh, this is really interesting, Daddy. No, it's a gravestone. Um, but actually, they were trying to explore what happens when we die. Yeah. And again, just taking their prompts, seeing where they're at, their questions, and actually running with that and seeing how we can, I guess, bring something of God into that moment. Andy, the question I guess I started with Joe, which is presumably now you've written a book on parenting. You must get people coming to you a lot more with uh, Andy. Honestly, just quickly tell us how to do it. Well, I think it's important to say things are going well right now, but there are no guarantees with this stuff. We are by no means perfect parents. There are certain times we forget to do stuff. We miss opportunities that we are very human. And it's not about being an expert, but I think it's about just seeing how we can bring moments of God into the everyday. We often look at that uh, passage from Deuteronomy about um about it's as we're putting our kids to bed and going for a walk it's in the day-to-day of life, we're just looking for those moments to inspire our kids about God. And there can be a sense sometimes as families we feel we ought to have a you know an hour-long biblical devotions every morning at 6 a.m. And for some families it might work, but it doesn't work for our family. Uh, we find it hard enough getting out of bed at 7 a.m. So um so but there are things that we can all do. And it's working out in your family, what are the rhythms that work? And it's about that word again, intentional. What can we be intentional about in the everyday? Could you give us one example, Andy, of of maybe even in lockdown? You know, it, it, things have changed. Have you got an example of where you've chosen to be intentional? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, with the whole church thing going online, we um, wanted our kids to engage with children's church still, but it became very difficult. Um, and so one of the things my wife did actually was worked out this whole new ritual around Sunday mornings and uh, and kind of doing church. Want to share about that? What happens? I mean- sure. So it was a stupid idea because uh, now I have to make pancakes every Sunday. Um, but we, um, we just made a real thing of Sunday mornings. So the kids come down, they set up their own little table. They get all the toppings out for pancakes. Um, it has to be done by 10 o'clock so that um, kids' church, they, they're eating their first pancake as soon as the countdown finishes for kids' church. No pressure. No pressure at all. But they love it. Um, and actually... We've noticed across the families that they're really struggling to engage the children into kids' church. It's very broadcast. It's um, not very participatory, just simply because they can't be in the room. But our kids are really going to miss it because we're changing how we're going to do it. And this weekend, we thought we thought that they, it stopped already. And there was this sort of, oh, no, we can't not watch church. And I was like, OK, well, we've still got pancakes. They're like, but I don't want to watch Netflix. I want to watch church. And it was 
it, again, it was that moment of realizing, oh, this is actually really precious to them. This is an opportunity for them to connect with a community that they otherwise can't connect to. They haven't got access to see those people, those faces, those friendships, those relationships. And even if it is broadcast and even if it's only online, church is still a really important space for them. So that ritual, making it really special was really important. I guess the other thing on lockdown, we made some videos called um, Adventures in the Home, where we took our kids doing different mini adventures, uh, kind of lots of kind of games with tin cans and kind of making assault courses. But again, all those videos had a slight kind of exploration of the biblical kind of context as well, really. So again, it's being creative. What can we do? What do we naturally enjoy as parents? And how can we use that as a, as a space really to help our kids explore more of the Christian faith? As parents... It, it's tempting, I think, to feel like you're sort of hanging on to a roller coaster. That you know, the nature of roller coasters is you don't steer, you don't change gear, mm-hmm. you just get on at the beginning, you drop a long way, and you're not quite sure how it's going to end. What strikes me about what you're saying is you are saying you have taken a moment just to wonder in this season, right now, what could we do yeah. to influence our children towards Christ and His church? Yeah, I think there are kind of four kind of things we hook things off normally. Um, there'd be prayer, there'd be Bible reading, there'd be community and then conversations with the four, four kind of things. So it's looking in the average week, how can we begin to enable those four things to happen in some way? So for example, with prayer, as Joe shared a moment ago, I often pray in my head, but I become um, intentional about praying those short prayers out loud. So that my kids hear that my prayer life isn't just about Sunday morning, but actually throughout the week, I can bring those moments to God and say, actually, I'm going to bring this to God right now. So I'm modeling to my kids something about how we pray, saying grace, prayer before bedtime, and, and, and drawing upon a whole different range of prayers. I mean, interesting, my, my daughter is at a Catholic school next door, and um, one night I was saying a prayer before bedtime, and she went, Daddy, you're rubbish at praying. And I was like, oh, thanks. She's like, yeah. You just make yours up. <laughs> and for her, she really enjoys this kind of liturgical prayer thing. And, and it's important to give our kids different ways of engaging with prayer. But it's how do we punctuate our lives with prayer? Then it's about Bible reading, about kind of conversations and about how we kind of get the wider community involved as well. Yeah. Uh, Joe, which one of those? Uh, so Andy has, Andy has talked a bit about prayer yeah. and, and that leaves community, conversation and Bible. Pick one of those. Well, I'm going to do two with one. Okay. Um, so we were we were just about to go back to school, um, and uh, Eloise and I were t- walking along. Um, we'd just been to a, a friend's house for a garden, socially distanced garden party, and um, and she was really worried that school was going to close again um, before she'd even properly got back. She was really worried that people were going to get sick and what would that mean. And I said, well. Um, I've had to learn that there's this, there's this passage in the Bible that says, do not, do not worry about tomorrow for, for tomorrow has worries of its own. And I was like, do you know what that means? And she said, no. And I said, well, it means that if you exhaust yourself on what might be coming down the road, um, then it's just exhausting and it's a completely pointless 
task. But today, there are things that we can concern ourselves with, we can concentrate on and we can focus on. Because tomorrow, today has things. We can get ready for school, we can make sure our uniform's ready, we can read our books, we can prepare, we can wash our hands, we can do whatever it takes. But that's today's challenge. Don't worry about tomorrow, worry about today, because that's what the Bible tells us and God tells us that he's got tomorrow, we've got today. Um, and it was just one of those moments where you bring in where she's at, what God had been challenging me on, because actually I'd been worrying about tomorrow. And what if the school closes and what happens when a kid gets a cold and we're going to have to lock down for another two weeks? And actually God has spoken to me through his words. So I shared that with her. And it was it's, it's become a passage that we've come back to over the last few weeks because it's actually really crucial at this moment to remember that don't worry. Don't be anxious. Remember God. Remember his grace. And and it's been really helpful because it was part of that conversation. That's wonderful. You don't need me to say that. And uh, I'm sure as we listen in, we're partly thinking, I wish I wish we had Joe walking along with us. <laughs> so so for, for the parent who's thinking, crumbs, Joe, how did you come up with that verse, that conversation, all on the 100 metres walk from a school to home? You know, what... Do you, in how does it work for you or advice for those who don't seem to come up with the right verse at the right moment and they get home and think, oh, that's blown it. I've, you know, I'm home and it's gone. Yeah. Oh, trust me, that happens 99 times out of 100. And I think, but that's the other thing, isn't it? That one of the most important things that you get to disciple your kids in is the gift of grace because you operate under grace every day. You screw up, you mess up, you are tired and snappy and you um, overuse the TV and you're less gracious to each other and and God still loves us. So I think we get it wrong 99 times out of 100, but God is, God is good. And then it's, it's my discipleship. I can't teach my kids about Jesus if I'm not in a relationship with him myself. I can't tell um, my kid what what is important to remember in this season if I'm not listening to God tell me what's important in this season. If I'm not walking in step with his spirit, how do I disciple my kid to too? So actually of all of it, the responsibility is my relationship with Jesus, my relationship with God, my disciplines, because they're the ones that I'm going to be able to pass on. I think jumping on the back of that, I think, is for me having kids, I thought life wasn't going to change. But it does. <laughs> um, and actually, my relationship with God changed as well. And I think um, as we go through different phases of childhood, we need to work out how we relate to God in different ways. And it might be that we used to enjoy those very chilled out mornings. We can gradually wake up and, you know, the, the light trickles in through the curtain. We gradually read a bit of the Bible. But it might be that our kids are now jumping into our bed at five in the morning. We haven't got those kind of moments in the same way. So we have to create new rhythms and new ways to engage with God ourselves. But I think, again, if we want to be showing our kids of who God is, it's first and foremost about how we're engaging with God. And where those verses might come from then is probably just the overflow of the verse you looked at that morning, the verse you looked at last Sunday. That It's not a bad instinct, is it? Just to think, I wonder what the last verse that I enjoyed was. That's probably going to help somehow in this conversation. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. I think it's kind of sharing an overflow of what you're discovering from God yourself. Yeah. But I think for me, I mean, I'm always trying to encourage my kids to engage again with scripture in different ways. I think um, they are going to be so influenced by the world around them, the things they're watching on TV and the school playground that we have to work out how do we get them to to grasp something of the word of God and how it speaks into their life as well. So I love 
exploring my kids, different biblical texts and how it can relate to, to them. Your children are eight and six. Mm. So so when you say I love exploring biblical texts with them, yeah. we perhaps picture them with a tie and flannels That's sitting right. neatly at your table. Hebrew. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you're saying it's tight. Hebrew was this morning and Greeks this afternoon. That's right. Andy, what, when, you ex- when you love exploring biblical texts with your eight and six-year-old daughters, what does it look like? It's varied year by year, week by week, but um, there are a whole variety of ways. I love recreating Bible stories um, with them as a kind of almost like a game where we kind of put the couches together and we will recreate the calming of the storm with a, a water gun or something and uh, retell that story and they can actually be a part of it. Or Does this happen a lot, Joe? Yeah. I'd just like to say to anybody listening, you don't have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> but you can. You but can. You, can. you can. You can. I married a man who is going to do this for me so that I don't have to. Okay. Just Keep going, Andy. Yeah. Don't be distracted, Andy. Yeah. What, what else happens? So, I mean, so, again, just retelling Bible stories, actually uh, trying to recreate them with teddy bears at times. And just thinking, actually, what are my kids already into and how can we incorporate that into actually exploring some of these Bible stories? And helping them to explore some of the emotion and the using their senses when they're exploring the stories. So, hey, let's look at the story of Zacchaeus. Let's go and climb a tree. And let's go outside and climb a tree. And then just imagine now you're Zacchaeus. What do you reckon it was like? before you climbed the tree? How do you reckon you felt while well, he was in the tree? And how do you reckon you felt after he climbed down the tree? Very simple ways to engage with a biblical story that helps them to really almost sense they are part of that story and they can almost encounter Jesus for themselves. So it's about being creative. And at different times, they've used Bible notes and kids' Bibles and all kinds of things. But it's, um, I've actually just done the, the, uh, the Bible course on lockdown as well. I've done a children's version of that, which has been fantastic for having to discover I guess, the big story of the Bible as well and how it fits together. So um, really practical things, but enjoy it with your kids and give them, I guess, a framework which will help them in the future. What is that resource, Andy, the one you just mentioned? It's called the Bible Course. Um, There's as an adults kind of course uh, by the Bible Society. And the guy who's put it together um, has just put together the children's Bible course with his own kids. And it's kind of like a kind of 20 um, short Bible videos uh, exploring different stories, but then you cut out different pictures of each of the main characters. So you get a sense of how Moses and Noah and Paul and Peter, how they all fit into this one big story over this kind of distance of time. We'll put that in the show notes. Mm. It sounds terrific. Mm. Uh, we have covered all of them. We've covered Bible, prayer, conversation. And Joe, you said you think it's community that you miss the most. Mm. Tell us what you mean by that. I think one of the things I've loved about growing growing children in church is that you are not you're not it you're not the end uh, point you're not the only representative of of what it means to follow Jesus there is a community of people our kids can go and sit in the lap of of friends and and um people because they they have grown up around them. And I think that sense of uh, tangibility is really quite hard at the moment. I think that's the thing that everybody is missing. They, you can't be in proximity with people at the moment. And I think our kids are feeling that. And I think churches across the country are struggling to know how to bridge that gap um, around how to be community um, and not just broadcast, not just sort of put content out, but actually connect and engage. Um, 
kids work can happen, but it's, it's children to children. So it's peer with, with an individual or it's family, but then you've got a bubble. It's that, it's the wider family of church that has been so beautiful. What happens when you have a kid who is a real worshiper, but you and you and your part, your husband or wife or, or um, are more um, word based? What happens when your kid is a runner and you two are more introverted and sit down? Actually, you've got people in your church that can say it's okay. I follow Jesus like this too. Mm. And you haven't got access to that at the moment. Yeah, research shows that. I think for the church, there's two important things. It's first of all, that our kids have some way to actively engage and participate. And second of all, it's those authentic relationships. And so even now, uh, during lockdown, actually with my kids, we've recorded some bits for the church service. So actually my kids feel they were part of what is happening rather than just something they're watching. Mm. And again, with that authentic relationships, um, it's been very difficult. But at the same time, my kids have got godparents, and rather than just being a, a, a godparent for the baptism, it's actually how are they a godparent for life, and how do we involve them in the different phases of life? So, um, it's been great in the summer going away for a couple of days and seeing um, their godparent and watching her as she kind of played with my kids, as she did their nails, but also as she prayed with my kids. And there's something mm-hmm. profound about seeing somebody else speaking words of God into my children's lives, and it's working. I guess how can we again intentionally as parents? invite other people to be involved in some way whether that be having someone around for a meal uh, actually last night we had a friend around for a meal yeah and again she spoke into our kids lives how do we do those create those kind of moments where the wider community can speak life and speak christ into our children's lives my, my suspicion is that as a nation brits we, we are not brilliant at pulling others into our families intimately perhaps if you're listening to this and you really are, I apologize. <laughs> um, if you imagine you've got your family unit and then you've got these half dozen others, how, how much is it you're pulling them in and whispering in their ear, honestly, I need you to be praying? I ne- and how much is it, do you think it's the people in church who naturally are walking into your family? How, I, I'm sure it's a, the nature of any relationship is both are happening. But given that, probably we're not great at this how do you find it it works best yeah a couple of examples uh a few years ago my kids we looked up to a couple of teens in the church so i went to those teens and said hey guys um my kids really kind of look up to you guys can you help nurture their faith for me and, and, and be involved in their relationship with god and it's great then seeing on a sunday how they'd sit by their side and color them with them and talk to them about god in that very simple way and i guess another example we've looked at doing is is um is actually getting photographs of different people and asking them to pray regularly for our kids and putting their photographs on the walls so that our kids are praying back for them. So again, you're creating these cross-generational moments. So I think it is, I think people are so wary about invading your space. Even last yeah, night. it's the intrusion thing. I think you can say, come round any time, but oh, I don't want to intrude. Um, I think that more than anything is the British. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, overstep the market i want it come in where i'm not wanted but i think we want to make a sort of public announcement we are up for adoption um <laughs> you can adopt a family come here um uh come into the mess because that's what life life is like and i think whenever we're finding that a lot of people are finding with church they they, they they're living by themselves and they're feeling very isolated this is a great time to say how can we link some of those singles with families and build some relationships where actually we can share faith together. Yeah. 
Andy, you are about to do some sort of a conversation with some church leaders about how they can support families at this point in lockdown. Do you want to just preempt that conversation by giving us some tips and maybe families listening who might be able to influence others? Yeah, I guess my big concern of the whole thing is that our children's work has gone online in many churches now. We are watching kind of 10, 15 minutes of content on Sunday morning. And the danger is that it becomes just our kids watching 15 minutes of TV and that's job done. When actually most kids are watching endless hours of TV anyway. So that 15 minutes compared to the six, seven, eight hours of TV they're watching otherwise isn't really going to disciple them. And we need to work out as church leaders, I think, how does what we share on a Sunday morning create a conversation for the week and give some really practical things for parents to do in the everyday? Um, I think the danger is we, as parents, let our kids watch TV and job done rather than saying, how do we sit alongside them and use what's being communicated on a Sunday as a platform to begin to go deeper with God as a family? Give us the next step. So let's imagine our families are either still online doing church or they have just taken their first Sunday or two in church. What is it families can do to take that next step? I think, first of all, I encourage families to speak to the leaders of the church and to speak to those doing children's work and say, can there be a way to give us some practical things to do during the week? So I'm actually just finished recording last week six Bible stories, and each Bible story will have five things you can do as a family. So one of the things is the... um, is the woman cleaning the feet of Jesus and pouring the perfume on his feet. And so there's five practical things you can do to unpack that story as a family. One of them is about getting as much deodorant and smelly stuff as you can in your house and filling your house with this smell and then then talking about the story. So there are different really practical things. But I think as a church, we've got to use this opportunity, not just to look back to how we used to do things, but to look forward to how can we encourage parents to be more proactively involved and give them more of the tools so that in the everyday of life, they can be having these uh, deeper conversations, these moments of prayer with their kids. And and Joe, that that this could be an opportunity for families, couldn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think I think there's a an opportunity for us to work out how do we how do we pass on. So that that verse in Deuteronomy about passing on our faith. Actually, we're all called to pass on our faith, whether that's to our families, whether that's to our neighbours, whether that's to a stranger on the street, we're called to pass it on. And actually, families are a great testing um, uh, community in so much as, well, how do I prepare a sermon or do worship that passes on what we're experiencing here on a Sunday and means that it's transferable during the week? What does it look like to simplify this? What does it look like to make this accessible? What does it mean to empower people within the community to be salt and light in their families, in their communities, in their workplaces, online? Um, this is an amazing opportunity to, for families and for us to reimagine what what church looks like, what discipleship looks like as a community. And that the, the whole thing for me is that it doesn't become yet another burden but it's just moments to notice what we're doing, ask questions about why we're doing it, and is there a, a way that we can share? I think the last thing we want is people, people to feel guilty having heard this podcast, thinking, oh, I should be doing more. Oh, I'm <laughs> such a bad parent. Oh, it's not about guilt, but it's about actually we get this opportunity to be involved in our kids' world. We, how we parent will shape how they see the world. And we just get opportunities to, to, to drop 
drip feeder gets into the everyday, these kind of little moments and just seeing what God might be saying in them. And on my fridge next to you right now, we've got that, that Bible verse from Deuteronomy on there because we want to remind ourselves regularly of the importance of looking at those everyday moments to inspire faith. Now, the danger of recommending resources is, is a thing to do. But, but Andy, you must have now read more. You must have watched more parenting courses and read more books and research than most people. Is there is there a book? Is there a talk? Is there a resource that that just sticks in your memory from that time? There's so much I've read and engaged with, I think, and there's so much great stuff out there. Um, but I think every child is different. There's not kind of one model for it. Um, we've really enjoyed Louis Giglio's book, which is called. Oh, that's the science and devotion. I know the the indescribable or something. The Jesus Storybook Bible. It's been brilliant as well as a resource. Um, Rachel Turner. There's some great stuff she's written about as well. Um, there's so much stuff out there if you kind of, yeah. Um, and then the Kitchen Table Project. Yeah, which obviously I, I'm involved with. But I think, um, again, they're regularly on Facebook and on um, different social media feeds. They're, they're creating material and putting it out there to inspire parents uh, for things they can do. And I think a lot of it is about finding actually what works for your child. No two children are the same. And uh, some of them love glitter and kind of, you know, making stuff. Others don't. And it's working out how do you run with what God is doing in your child's life. And the, and the joy of being a parent is you you get to see this more than anyone else does. You are the expert on your child to sense what season are we in and where are they at and what are they like. Yeah, it's the greatest of privileges and the greatest of responsibilities. <laughs> uh, Joe, a last thought or would you just pray for the families listening? Oh, let's just pray. Great. Father, what a gift it is to share in your character. You are the father heart. And you have blessed us with this beautiful privilege of parenting, of nurturing and raising children. We get to discover who you have planted into our family um, and who you've created them to be. Lord, I pray that you would bless each of us listening today um, with the ability to see what you're up to, see who you are are fanning into flame um, the identity that you have, have birthed in these beautiful children that you've blessed us with. Lord, may we walk in step with your spirit, know what you're up to um, and work in partnership with that. And Lord, I pray that for our children, more important than anything else, would they know you? Would they love you? Uh, Would they give their lives to you? Would they know that you are the beautiful and good father um, that cares for them, provides for them? Um, Lord, would you, would you bless our kids? Would you make your face shine upon them? Um, and would they know you? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Andy, for joining us today. Please subscribe to this podcast. You can go to the Faith in Kids website and there you can subscribe to our newsletters to stay in touch with what we're doing. We want to support you to raise children who know Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Bye-bye.